Welcome back to Illuminate. Uh, We're a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church where we share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. My name is Hannah Bowen. And I'm Nathan. Sorry, I just started thinking of the Parks and Rec. This is Thought (laughs) for Your Thoughts. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) For some reason when you started it, just... I apologize. Anyways, we have a really special guest with us today. It's a dear friend of both of ours. Um, He is um, a man that needs no introduction. He is a six-time award winner for the best chili in the state of his hometown. He is a dog dad of a wild white Labrador retriever. Um, He is husband of Lauren, and uh, he is with us today. His name is Austin Barrett. Austin, how are you doing today? Hey, Nathan, I'm good. I'm good. I'm losing my voice. Um, so this will be quite interesting. You have that uh, nice gravelly tone. Yeah, no kidding. But no, I feel great. It's been a great day. I'm excited to talk about this. Well, we're in our series, How to Church, and today we're talking about this idea of production, and there's a lot that goes into it, but before we really even want to jump into that conversation of production, we want to get to know Austin a little bit better, um, as he's not only just a friend and someone who attends Hope Fellowship, but he actually is on staff uh, at Hope Fellowship. So Austin, I guess just to get to know you a little bit, um, what is your church background, and kind of how did you grow up, um, and what is your past experience that you're bringing into this conversation on How to Church? Yeah, no, Definitely. Um, so I was born um, in Greenwood and I've lived there my whole life and have been at two churches, primarily a little bit at a third church. Um, from pretty much the, the day I was born uh, or the day after I was born until um, middle school, I was at a small Southern Baptist church um, that like many churches when I first started um, going and really before I can remember in the late 90s, it was huge, like a couple hundred people, very, very active and popular. Um, and then from like 97, 98 up until middle school, um, it slowly was starting to die. Um, so we went from a couple hundred and I built this really new building um, to maybe like 50 on a good Sunday and back into the old building that was really small and struggling to pay bills and whatnot. Um, and then in middle school, I started going to a different church uh, with some friends um, that was a free will Baptist background. Um, which is, yep, uh, uh, some interesting uh, beliefs um, and interesting theology. Uh, but nonetheless, the church was really sweet um, and had a really strong family uh, feel to it. It was still very small, um, but was a lot more active than the Southern Baptist Church I was a part of. Um, and then in high school, I kind of got in a very weird period of working with a church plant um, that was pretty much Southern Baptist, but claimed non-denominational. And so I started helping out with their um, tech team um, doing production while also going to the Free Will Baptist Church. It was kind of a weird transition. Um, When it comes to production, I first started working specifically with audio. Um, I think I was 11 years old. Um, and not doing anything significant, mostly just sitting in the tech booth, watching things happen, um, was oftentimes the runner if a microphone died or, or we needed something <laughs> to happen on stage. I was the, the guy that had to go do that. Um, 
I remember the very first Sunday we introduced fog um, into the Southern Baptist Church and got so much heat for it. Uh, but my job was to run the fog machine. Um, uh, I think it was like 12, 13 years old. So people just hated you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the reason I left. Um, no, it was cool. It was neat. Um, things that we'd never done before. Um, and then uh, we moved to the Frio Baptist Church in there. Uh, pretty much about three months in, four months in, um, I was in charge of all audio. Um, it was very low-key, um, very simple analog board, um, an old snake that ran through the ceiling, um, a piano, an organ that didn't work, a choir that had like four people in it. Um, very, very small, very simple. Um, and was doing that for a while and loved it. Um, and then the church plant started to to take off and they reached out, really just needing help with like setup. Um, my best friend, uh, Garrett, who was the um, best man at my wedding, was becoming the pastor of the church um, and they were just needing more help and volunteers. And so I started going there and setting up in the mornings of pipe and drape and running cables. And um, they were 100% remote. Um, so everything got set up and taken down on Sunday. Um, and then I slowly shifted to being more involved with them. Um, so showing up, setting up, um, running sound check, and then running the service um, on audio, and then learning Pro Presenter, and then learning lights. Um, and towards the end of it, I definitely didn't do it all by any means. Like audio was my thing, but as we trained new volunteers or ran into problems, um, I was usually one of the guys on the team to help troubleshoot or, or to um, train others. Um, and so that's where I got a lot of experience with um, maybe a, a higher level of production. Um, I think they took it, I don't want to say more seriously, but they definitely had a greater appreciation for production, whereas like the Free Will Baptist and Southern Baptist Church didn't quite care as much. Um, but that's where I learned some of the techniques that I've been able to bring in to Hope. Um, and really just learn how to like do sound well. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this more, but I, I think especially at sound um, or an audio engineer position, it's definitely about skill and technique and the art to it, but it's also a customer service, right? It's also learning how to work with the band um, and treat them with respect and dignity um, and build a relationship so that at the end of the day, we work together as a team to communicate the gospel. Um, and so the front of house, your audio engineer guy, um, drives that ship. Like you know, some people on our team have talked about past experiences where um, their audio engineer was just a jerk. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, there's a, quite a few that are. Um, and it's just interesting to hear them talk about the dynamic that set for their team um, and how that impacted the dynamic of Sunday morning. Um, so I learned a lot about that working in this church plant and how to communicate with band members, how the, I need to communicate what I need, how to listen to what they need. Um, and how can we work together to accomplish this? Uh, that church plant eventually dissolved. Um, and then from that came a traveling worship band um, that I continued to do um, audio for. Uh, and still a little bit of pro presenter, a little bit of lights, but mostly just audio. Um, and they went around for about a year, I'd say, different churches, coffee shops. Um, our biggest event was a three-day conference uh, for the YMCA, uh, which was so much fun. Um, I think looking back, I don't think I ever would, but I do think it'd be so cool to be like a full-time audio engineer and like tour and travel and do all the things. Um, now with where my life's at, there's no way, right? And I wouldn't trade anything. It, it's incredible. Um, but looking back, I think that'd be such a fun season. Um, 
I would say the, the last piece of experience I think that has been the most helpful outside of church um, is I was in chorus from fifth grade until junior year of high school. Um, and I don't really sing much anymore. Uh, not my thing. Had some traumatic experiences. Uh, and don't really do that. Um, however, in high school, it was a much more serious chorus class. So we learned a lot of music theory um, and a lot of, I think I just got a lot of experience in hearing harmonies, understanding vocals, um, and what we should be hearing. And if nothing else, just common terminology and common language to use with vocals, especially, um, but also like worship leaders and music directors and just say like, Hey, this doesn't sound right. This is what I think. Or you might need to go back and listen to the recording. Um, two really good things of like, Hey, that harmony was incredible. Um, and just having some, a common foundation, um, of understanding, especially for vocals. Cause I think that's where, um, a lot of the relationship is, is between the audio engineer and vocalist and, and trying to, to nail down things. Yeah. Sorry, long answer, but it's kind <laughs> oh, of a, a full picture of where I'm at. Yeah. I'm curious. I remember, like, I have a very distinct memory of, like, one of the first times I met you and you were, um, like, shadowing with Brad and um, wanting to get involved with our worship team. Um, and I remember you saying just how much you loved like serving behind the scenes and like mm -hmm. being that support person. And like, that's always stuck with me. And that has like remained true of like how I know, like how you function and, and where your passion is. But, um, kind of along your journey, when did you start to see, um, audio production as something that wasn't just something that you love to do, but was like a tool for ministry and, um, sharing the gospel? Yeah, definitely. Good question. Uh, and I'm glad you remembered that. It's interesting. Um, I definitely stand by it. I think around the time we started working with the church plant is when things started to shift. Um, and I, I, I love it. I still love it. And I loved it all the way when I was 11 years old and was just learning what is an XLR cable and then what connects to what and what can um, make noise. Um and it was fun and same like moving into middle school and like kind of taking ownership of audio um, and, and high, early high school at the Real Baptist Church. Um, really fun for sure. But I think working with the church plant um, is where it became more of a ministry where I saw like, now this is truly service. Um, and I think it was the amount of work and energy that went into it. Mm -hmm. um, so we were fully remote. So we would get there at 5 a.m., um, load in everything. Um, set up, rehearsal, run through, actual service. Um, and then we had to load out the same day and we had to be out by I think like 1.30 p.m. So it was like service ended at 12.15 and then it's everybody is rushing and hauling tail to get it done. Um, and then you load up the trailer, go store it at the facility or at the storage facility and then you're done and you go get lunch. Um, and every once in a while, it's no big deal, but doing that week after week after week after week, the fun wore out um and by like week four week five this is not fun <laughs> anymore i'm tired um it's cold you know whatever excuse you want to come up with um but i think it was in those moments where i realized like it's this is far more about it's far less about being fun and far more about what does this mean about the kingdom of god and what role do i get to have in that um, and I think that's where it shifted in my mind that like audio can be fun and it is, and I love it. Um, but at the same time, it's still very much, um, 
like a ministry focus. Um, and so a way that like I get to serve the Lord with the skills and the talents and experiences that he's given me. Um, but at the same time, like this is a way that I get to help communicate the gospel um, to hundreds of people. And now with where we're at in production and being online to thousands of people that we may never know or never even get to meet or hear their story. Um, but it's because of the work that we're doing that they were able to hear the gospel. Um, and so I, I think that's what, what brings me back to like the ministry side to it. Um, it it's super fun to play with really expensive toys and, <laughs> and press all the buttons and, and do everything. But at the end of the day, like, I think if you can't come around to like, what are we actually doing here? Um, and what, what the true effects of the decisions we're making and things like that are, um, then I think there is a problem. Yeah, I think that kind of, I don't know, obviously when hearing your heart for all of that and even just the background of everything, I think definitely like what Hannah was saying earlier, just you do embody that, um, not even just the behind the scenes, but just like, I don't know, I would say workhorse in the best way possible. I don't know how you would take that, but it's just a workhorse. <laughs> um, like you're just there to serve and, and that's your calling in whatever way that you um, see fit. And I think we, we see that, or I see that in multiple aspects of your life, not just um, when you're at a in the audio booth, but just in every facet of just whatever is needed, um, that's what I'll do type thing. So I feel like just listening, that's kind of how you got into it. Like at the age of 11 was just like whatever's needed. Like it's just kind of something that you've been embo- you've embodied your whole life, which I think is amazing. But I think just kind of jumping into this conversation about um, production and, and why we do things the way that we do things. And really that's the essence of what we're trying to talk about in any uh, topic that we're talking about, I guess just to start the conversation off, when we say production, right, you were already kind of mentioning audio and fog and stuff like that, but when we say production, um, what would be the things that you guys are thinking of as um, the core thing, uh, the core elements of production? Just because as for me, I, I'm coming into this with uh, base to zero knowledge <laughs> on this, whereas, you know, Hannah uh, and, and you, Austin, you guys both have, I feel like, a, a plethora of knowledge about this subject. So just if somebody was to ask you, what is production, what would you say make up those core elements? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I think you would get different answers depending on who you asked. Um, mm-hmm. So Hannah, feel free to disagree. <laughs> uh, when I think about production, um, big picture um, speaking, I'm thinking of how are we communicating the gospel? How are we communicating what is on the stage to the people, to the world? Um, and so, mm. like, macro, that's what I'm thinking. Um, micro, like, true nuts and bolts of what it is, is audio. Um, so how are we amplifying what is being on the stage so people can hear it? Um Lyrics, which some might also say visuals, um, some might say pro presenters, some might say screens, um, but uh, I would all encompass that. We use a program called Pro Presenter, and that is pretty much industry standard for church production, um, and that's everything that you see on the screen. Um, so from sermon slides, scripture, lyrics, videos, um, all of that is all encompassed under um presenter in my mind. Uh, And then you have lights. Um, Lights is where I actually have the least amount of experience um, and I've always thought is absolutely fascinating. Um, But that's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of live production. Um, So that's what you're going to experience in the room. Um, And then I would separate it out to an online production as well um, where it's going to separate a little bit and you're going to still have audio that's done in a, a different way, but it's still accomplishing the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have the visuals, um, but it looks a little bit different. 
Um, and then you incorporate cameras. Um, in some churches, cameras are going to be part of your live element as well through iMag, where you're going to be able to see what's happening also on the screen in real like time. Like those guys that are like on the screen and it's those massive churches where they're mm. putting it up instead of lyrics, or I guess the lyrics are the lyrics are underneath it or something like yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, so exactly that. Um, and it's super neat. I, I think it'd be cool if we ever did it here one day, but also like we don't necessarily have an auditorium that calls for that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you look at other churches that have 5,000 people in their auditorium, and if you're sitting in the back row, you're not going to see what's right. going on. Um, but it's super important for online. Um, so the cameras is what gets what is happening in the room as a picture to the online uh, platform for those to be able to see it. So that's what, what I think about when I hear production and when I talk about production. I don't know, Hannah, what do you think? Yeah, I know um, a lot of times whenever the word production comes up, it can definitely create some like cringiness because it calls to like a performative aspect. Like it seems very like, you think very like sterile, like everything has to be planned to the T. Rehearsals, plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and I I like to think of production um, as environment. Like I'll talk a little more about lights because I took a class on it. So (laughs) I have like maybe one step ahead of you, (laughs) but not much. Um, But we use lights to uh, direct people's attention. If every single light on the room was on to the same intensity, um, you just open up the door to a lot more distractions. Everything is equally as interesting. Whereas if something is brighter in the room than everything else, it just helps to focus in balancing that, um, that helpfulness, um, while not stepping over and crossing the line into manipulation, um, is something that like, I think everyone has to kind of wrestle with and like definitely check in with a lot and make sure your intention is where it needs to be and your heart is focused on the right thing. I saw some post that was um, like uh, about getting to the bridge of oceans and uh, it was a sound guy like turning down the AC like to make the room colder. Um, and to me, that's manipulation. Right. <laughs> um, oh <my> <laughs> um, but you, uh, yeah, you're just, just helping to facilitate an environment in which people can worship, whether it's making something louder so it's more prevalent, brighter so it's more prevalent. Uh, lyrics so that you understand what people are saying to help kind of bridge those gaps and and make the worship as accessible as possible. Yeah, and I think both of those are ex- extremely helpful because I think yeah whenever I I think this is probably one of the, the bigger topics for me that I've wrestled with a lot in the faith as you know you have those classic questions of what should we be spending our money on um, and you're just thinking about what is the purpose of everything that we're doing on a Sunday morning what should be our focus on a Sunday morning and obviously it is the gospel and everything that we do runs through it um, but I think that's that really this is a fun topic for me just because I get to play devil's advocate I feel like today and really just <laughs> hound you guys um, <laughs> um, but I do I, I do think it's it's a serious issue and something that is to be discussed with diligence and I really like what you said about not manipulating um, I feel like I remember seeing a I don't know if you guys ever saw this video it was of a comedian making fun of christianity and worship services and he just started to do basically these basic elements and they started running fog and this light show and he said everyone put your hands up in the air and i was watching it and i was saying oh shoot like he really is like manipulating this environment to now where he's it feels as if he is cultivating Mm -hmm. a church environment and yet they're making fun of it Mm -hmm. and yet if if somebody just came in and saw that they would go this is a church service Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that's where it's like 
for me in this topic, I want to get to that essence, right? The question that we're trying to answer is why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. Why do we do it the way that we do it and all of those different facets? And I guess that's kind of the, the next question I would want to ask you guys is we see churches do so many different types of things, and I understand that some of them are mean. So, for instance, I grew up in a 30-person Presbyterian church. We had a, a pianist who was deaf and led the choir. Explain to me how that works, but he was still incredible somehow. Um, and so it was... You know, that was for, we just had one person playing piano, all the lights were on, and then, you know, take even here where the lights are off, the stage is the focal point. We have a small fog machine that is not spraying chemicals. It is just spraying, uh, <laughs> it's just spraying water, um, essentially. Haze, haze, sorry. Yes, haze. And then you have places, um, mega churches, right, that are putting out this whole production and the lights will come out and the audience kind of blind you if you have your eyes open for a brief moment. I guess that question is, why do church? Why do we see so many churches doing so many vastly different things outside of the means? Like that's an obvious one. Like yes, yeah, some people have a million dollar budget and some people have a ten thousand dollar budget. But why do we see so much, uh, so many differences when it comes to the thoughts on how to do it and what does it look like to do it well? If that makes sense. The the first thing that comes to mind for me, especially being just like a little more worship focused, is. Um, I would expect production to look different in every church the same way I would expect the worship to look different in every church because each church is made up of different people. And I think what's so beautiful about hope in any ministry, like not just exclusive to production, is that so much of um, what we do is um, driven by individuals and the gifts God has given them. And instead of uh, trying to see what's another church doing, and how are we going to strong arm like this individual into right. looking like the way this other person serves in another church? Just to use you, Austin, as an example, like I think as you've come into like more of a leadership role, like the way that we do production in ways that people don't see, like that mostly just the team and myself mm-hmm. see, looks really different than it did before you came. Um, and you've brought in so many incredible ideas and practices to the table that we didn't have before and part of that is from you know influences you've seen from other churches and like experience you've gained on your own Mm -hmm. um but i think for hope just as a individual church like we're doing them because you're here and you brought that to the table Mm -hmm. so that's people focused and god honoring i I like how you ended that um that's a, a really good way to encompass um, I guess like production, uh, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's really interesting when you start looking at different churches and how people do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how that plays into like personal style and personal preference to like, what should we be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that, uh, 2000 years ago when the Bible was written, there wasn't lights or audio and there's no direction. What should we right. do with that? Um, other than we should make a lot of noise according to Psalms. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't really have a clear answer or like a clear philosophy on it. Um, I have often joked, like if you got the money to do it, just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and I think you can get into some pretty good arguments, um, over budget and how do you allocate and justify the amount of money that you're spending, um, on production and not spending somewhere else. Right. Mm Um, I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite church, uh, mm-hmm. but those that know me know that there is one church that I model a lot of things after. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't name them. I think they do an incredible job at what they do, and they're definitely not perfect. They have weaknesses and shortcomings, but 
Um, when I need an escape, that's usually where I go to like fully disconnect and they usually come back with some some neat ideas. Um, and it has shaped how we do some things at Hope um, based on things that I learned talking to their team and um, just experiencing there. But if you looked at their budget, um, they since they're a nonprofit, they have to, to publish this form pretty much declaring everything they've spent money on. It's three years old. Uh, but they brought in uh, $14 million. Uh, that was like their um, income or whatnot. So when you take that into consideration and you're like, oh, well, they're only spending, they're spending a million dollars on production, right? And that's just all hypothetical. It's just numbers. Um, but their $14 million budget and they're spending a million of that on production, whereas another church's budget is like maybe $1 million and they're spending $600,000 on production. Mm-hmm. I think it's completely different, right? right. It's like apples yeah. and oranges where one church has the money and whether you like it or not, that's just reality, and they do. Um, I don't think there's a, a clear cut of you should spend this percentage of your budget or this dollar amount. Um, I think it, it's just a lot of discernment, a lot of prayer. Um, and one of those things that, like, I would really look to a lead pastor to help guide and make a decision, um, and something that I'm really thankful for Mark in that way. Because at the end of the day, in my opinion, uh, Mark's responsible, right? Like, when we get to heaven, uh, I don't anticipate or am prepared to be asked, you know, why we allocated these funds. Um, at the end of the day, Mark is responsible for that, and it's going to be held accountable for that. Um, and so I, I think I appreciate his leadership um, in that, where we can go to him and say, here's my recommendations. This is how much it's going to cost. Um, this is everything that we could possibly foresee and know about it. Um, and then put it on his plate to make a decision and then trust him and trust that he's prayed about it and trust that um, he has truly sought the Lord and he's using discernment and his wisdom and his experience to make the best decision um, with our guidance and and with our recommendations. Uh, And then we roll with it Um, and then trust that he makes that same exact decision for every every other area of the budget in our ministries and the things that are going on and just trust that, you know, he's being led by the Lord. And I do 100%. but I, yeah, I don't know, it's just so interesting to think, like, even in Anderson, where there's, you know, several different sizes of churches, and all of them do production differently, right. and all of them allocate money differently. Right. Uh, I would love to see, like, how does one church allocate towards, or percentage-wise, how much does it go to production, how much goes to mission and outreach, and how much goes to payroll, and, and other different areas that have to be considered. Um, but yeah, I just don't think there's a clear answer. Um I think for me, like, when, when I think about production and the amount of money that we spend um, at Hope and, and the things that we do here, uh, my one goal um, above everything else is to create a distraction-free environment um, that is, like, inviting uh, to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord to be in. Um, and that's a genuine prayer. Uh, every morning I get here, I sit in my truck for, like, 10 minutes uh, praying, and that's been since day one uh, when I came to Shadow with Brad. Um, I got here early and sat out there and prayed, and it's the almost verbatim the same prayer of, like, God, allow us to create a distraction-free environment where your name can be known um, and your story can be made known to the people in this room, and then now recently to the people on of the world through the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from that perspective, I would invest almost anything or any amount of money to get whatever equipment we need to create that distraction-free environment. 
Um, and I think that encompasses audio. I think it encompasses lights. I think it encompasses um, projectors and um, screens and computers to do all of that. Above everything else, the priority is to communicate the gospel as clearly um, and effectively as possible. Um, so from my point of view, my perspective in production is just eliminating distractions um, to the best of our ability um, to create that environment. I think you said something in the, towards the beginning of what you were saying, and I think you said you just mentioned like a line. Where would you guys say is the line um, mm-hmm. where it is no longer God honoring? You know, and, and does that come back to the like for me? I'm thinking like just thinking out loud. Does it does it come back to the why? Um, but what if somebody's why is the same? If somebody's why is to promote the gospel, could there <laughs> ever be a line like what you're saying? We're willing to spend any amount on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is more so just a double. And uh, this is not pointing fingers at anyone, right? Mm-hmm. This is just a. I don't think. I think it is hard to distinguish who's wrong and who's right because I don't think there is a clear, there's definitely not a clear-cut answer in Scripture, mm-hmm. um, but I think it does come back to, is it God-honoring? So I guess that's that's more so the question of when would you guys say this idea and elements all-encompassing of production, when does that cross the line of no longer being um, God-honoring or, or people-focused? Yeah, I, mean, I think the easy answer is when it becomes a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> now you've tried so hard to eliminate them and you've created more. Hmm. I think it... I don't know, where I draw a line is probably different from where Hannah draws a line, which is probably different from where you draw a line, which is probably different from where um, another pastor in another city is going to draw a line. Um, and I think it's hard to say. And I really think it comes down to, like, the people, the congregation. Um, where my grandpa is going to draw a line is far further back <laughs> than where I draw a line. Right. Um, and, and I think it would be the same for everybody that goes to his church. If I went back to the Free Will Baptist Church, uh, that, which is still alive and doing really well, um, and implemented the things that we are doing at Hope, they would all leave, or I would be fired, uh, 100%. Like, it's just, right. you have to know the people um, of the church and what are their needs and what are their desires as well. Um, and I think it brings up a really interesting argument, which is probably not the place for it, um, it but is. Is, that, is that appropriate for a church, mm-hmm. right? Should, should we have 250 churches in Anderson? Um, that all do worship differently um, or should we have one and you get over it and realize that uh, the way you worship is not as important as the fact that you're worshiping right mm-hmm. um, so I don't know interesting argument I don't know where I land on it uh, so probably <laughs> you just brought it up just to create some division in the church yeah, right 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 so um, thinking point <laughs> yeah I yeah I don't know I um, and I think it changes in churches, right? Uh, if you would have asked Mark 10 years ago about Hayes, I think you would have, like, you probably would have gotten fired. Like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and then things have changed and circumstances change. And the reason that we ever brought Hayes into Hope Fellowship um, was because of a lighting issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because our normal house lights that um, hang from the ceiling were dying out. Um, it was going to be incredibly expensive um, to fix the problem. Um, and so we bought LED lights, had those mounted on the back of the wall, and then used haze to help distribute the light in the room, um, which I don't understand all of that in theory and how that works, but can say that it works and that it helps. Um, whereas, you know, if you would have brought it to him and said, no, we want haze because we want to create an environment and we want people to see the lights and, and ex- have an experience. It's a completely different story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very practical reason to spend money on the machine and why we use it every Sunday. Um, and it has those benefits. Like, it, it has 
um, enhance the visual experience for sure. But the true intent and reason that we've kept it and invest in it um, is because of the light issue that would be an astronomical amount of money um, to fix and it's hard to justify when we can get the same effects as what we have. Um, so I, 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 my opinion, I think it, it's really circumstantial. Uh, I don't. I think you said it too, though. It's when it becomes a distraction. Right. And I think that's a a good clarifying factor is it crosses a line when it becomes a distraction because so much is trying to be done to create a distraction-free environment. Yeah. I like that. But then it becomes who's to say what's a distraction. Mm -hmm. Like I said, this has been a topic for me that I've really wrestled with of what should the church be spending money on? What should – you know, we all have priorities in our own individual faith, uh, in our own individual lives. And then I feel like there are also church priorities as you read Paul's letters, right? Like, obviously, he starts with, you you teach Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul says, I just, in First Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among them except for Christ crucified, not bringing lofty wisdom or lofty speech. But he said the essence of everything that he's going to do and the only thing that he's focused on doing is proclaiming Christ and what he's done for us. And so I think that is at the core of everything that we do and seeing your guys' hearts on display, not just obviously in this conversation, but in staff meetings and mm-hmm. when we are discussing a new sound system that's going to cost us, as we've already told the church, a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's not so that we can be better. It, it's it's serving a function to proclaim Christ's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that to see that in the way that you guys lead your teams and the way that you guys have conversed about this topic uh, outside of just this episode of a podcast, I think is really really has been extremely, um, has taught me a lot about the importance of production when it comes to proclaiming Christ's name that I had never thought about mm-hmm. um, before. And I hope it does the same for a lot of other, I hope it can, you know, we're not done yet, but I, mm-hmm. I hope it keeps doing the same for other people. Cause I think that this is a, in my conversation with people, this is a topic that tons of people wrestle with, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you see so many people leaving churches because, uh, what, 10 years ago, drum, or 15 years ago, whenever drums were brought in, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody brought them in, um, right? And you see people leaving churches because of drums, or you see ch- people leaving churches because of a haze machine, or you see people leaving churches um, for a vast number of issues that are focused around production issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the answer of why we have 250 churches is, is because mm-hmm. of that, you know? It is because everyone, and, and everyone is unique in what what they consider to be a distraction and what they don't consider to be a distraction. And that's why I think this conversation is so necessary because the church should be talking about these things that I think mm-hmm. people are talking about whether we talk about it or not. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add to that. Well, we're going to leave our conversation here for today. But like Nathan said, uh, we're not finished yet. We have uh, some more topics to cover um, in this discussion about production and ministry. Uh, we're so grateful for Austin for sharing his wisdom, and uh, he's going to be back with us next week as well to answer some more questions, uh, explore this idea even uh, further, and we just can't wait to jump into it with you. Just a reminder that if you have any questions or you want to keep up with us uh, throughout the week, you can shoot us an email. We have a brand new podcast email. So now you guys can email podcast at hopeandanderson.com. Getting official with it now. So we hope to hear from you guys. Uh, Let us know what you think. And we'll be back with you again next week.